You're listening to Spurs Cast, episode 604. My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today, I'll be joined by Project Spurs founder Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will discuss the Spurs in their last five games, LaMarcus Aldridge being bought out of his contract, the team trading for Marquise Chris, the Spurs signing Cam Reynolds, and the struggles on offense lately as the team is in the midst of a four-game losing streak. Oh, that's a lot to say there, Mike, in this introduction. How are you doing? I'll do good. It's like trade deadline happened, and it's always the craziest time of the year, and it almost gets to like an unbearable point, but luckily all most of the craziness is behind us now, and... Um, we can just start talking about, uh, I guess, where we go from here. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we'll get into the trade deadline, you know, what what exactly the Spurs did, you know, and then some of the other roster moves that they made. And, and, and then, uh, you know, and then also while that's all happening, the team is actually struggling struggling at this moment that you and I are recording. Uh, so let's go to begin, Mike, with just how the team's performing at, at this moment. So since the last time I recorded a week ago with Mac Pena, it was on a Thursday, uh, the Spurs have played five games because of this crazy schedule where there's almost, it feels like there's a game pretty much every day. Anyway, they're struggling right now. They're one in four in these last five games. Uh, so let's go back to last Friday. Uh, they got a win against the Cavs in Cleveland. They won by six points, but they did lead by 22. And I know I know the Cavs fought back there, but the Spurs did hold on for that win. Then on Saturday, uh, they did lose on the second out of back-to-back to Milwaukee. Uh, they lost by seven, even though they were expected to, to, to lose by more than that. And and it's important to keep in mind, it was the second out of back-to-back. They held out DeJounte Murray for rest and Patty Mills because they, they both had not missed a game this year. So again, that's kind of, you know, and the, the Bucks had all their players. So, you know, you kind of give that one to Milwaukee. You weren't expecting the Spurs to win that one. Then on Monday, this is a bad loss for the Spurs. This is one that if they don't make the playoffs or, or they have to get into a play-in play game, this is one of, the, one of these games that can haunt them. So on Monday, the Spurs come back home, and they're hosting the Charlotte Hornets. They're favored by in this game, and the, the, the Hornets find out that they're without LaMelo Ball. You know, that's right when he got injured. And then they're also uh, – Tyler Zeller's also. So two starters are out for the Hornets. The Spurs lose this game by three points. So, again, this is one of those games that the Spurs should – you know, those, these are those type of must-wins that the Spurs just cannot let get away against these teams that they should beat. Then, of course, on, on Wednesday – uh, the Clippers come to town and, and they're fully healthy. You know, they have their whole roster pretty much. They were just missing two players. I think Serge Ibaka and, um, and uh, Patrick Beverly. And so the Clippers, you know, it, it wasn't a good loss for the Spurs because, you know, the way they lost, they got blown out. Basically they lost by 33, uh, Kawhi, uh, Leonard, Marcus Morris, and, uh, and, um, uh, Lou Williams pretty much uh, uh, had a lot of the, the points for the Clippers. So, but I mean, you weren't expecting the Spurs to, to probably beat a, a fully strength uh, Clippers team. However, an, another bad loss for the Spurs did come uh, the most recent one, which is on Thursday. Uh, it was the second out of back to back against the Clippers. And in this game, the uh, Clippers were still favored, but barely one and a half. You know, it's just one and a half points. And uh, this time they were without Kawhi. He sat out. He was he was on the injured list. Marcus Morris was out. And then also the, the Clippers that day, because it was the trade deadline, they had just traded Lou Williams. So Lou Williams was out. So these are three players that really gave the Spurs a tough time on Wednesday. Well, the Spurs really struggled. In the second half, they were they, they were held to just 30 points. It was really their offense that didn't show up. They had they played good defense. They held the Clippers below 100, but they ended up still losing this game. So this is again, it was like out of these five games, these are two of the bat. These are these are two tough losses. The one against the Hornets and that second game against the Clippers. Now, where are the Spurs right now? They're in the midst of their second four game losing streak of the season. Overall, they are 22 and 20. Eighth placed out west, uh, as you and I uh, speak on this on this Friday evening. Uh, you know, by the time Saturday comes, uh, the Spurs could find themselves ninth, depending on how the game shake out on on Friday night. Uh, and then um, they're twenty first on offense, continuing to fall on that end of the floor, and then you know, kind of maintaining themselves on defense at tenth. So, Mike, I know that's a lot of information. Um, kind of just give me your thoughts on the on the play of this team right now and how they're performing. I mean, it just seems like the same issues are plaguing the team that have been bucking them for, for a while. I mean, there's obviously winnable games in there, especially against Milwaukee, even though it's a fully healthy Milwaukee team, they're right there. Um, Charlotte, and, uh, you know, e- even last night against 
the, the Clippers, it seemed like there were a lot of missed opportunities. And, and you know, it just seems like they're, they're struggling from deep. And I think this is on both sides of the floor. They, they have a hard time defending the perimeter, and then they have a hard time scoring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from the perimeter. It just seems like they have a, a lot of, uh, and I think you mentioned this on Twitter um, earlier, it just seems like they have a, a lot of troubles uh, getting anything going from beyond the arc there, and it's, they really rely on, on having that, you know, uh, interior or, or, or a lot of shots at the basket or mid-range shots, and when they can't get that, I mean, they, they really struggle, and so it's just one of those things, and I think now, especially with players uh, being added to the injury list and uh, on a nightly basis, something you're really looking for some sort of consistency somewhere, and they just haven't found it yet. I mean, it seems like on one hand, the players seem to like or have really gotten together and seem to have found this like really nice rapport together, but. They have not found a way to translate that onto the floor just yet, and I think once they do that, they may be able to make some noise. But I mean, the Western Conference. I mean, if you look at you know Dallas, who just basically they just swapped with, they just got better. I think at the trade deadline, and so it's going to be you know one of those things where they're going to have to try to figure something out quick, or else they could easily quickly uh, you know make it down to like even ninth and tenth and beyond that if they're not careful. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and like like we mentioned, the schedule is not easy. The second half of the schedule with 40 games in 68 days. So we'll come back again to the offense. And I'm glad you, you opened up the conversation there uh, with some of their struggles because we're going to go into a little bit deep dive there in a bit. But let's go first with the team news and what's going on with the team. Uh, so, you know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, the trade deadline did pass on Thursday. Uh, the Spurs did not find a trade for LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, they tried from the time that they publicly said that they were going to try to, to, to part ways with him. They couldn't find a deal. And it wasn't just the Spurs. I know a lot of people were upset that they didn't get anything back for Aldridge and, and they had to waive him. But look at Andre Drummond, the same thing. The, the Cavs had to buy him out. Blake Griffin, the, um, the the Pistons had to buy him out. So this is kind of something you see is a lot of these veteran players uh, with with more than um, you know f- uh, fifteen to like twenty to thirty million dollars in salary, they're getting bought out because there's just nobody wants to trade for them if they're on the you know uh, for, for most of them if they're on, the, on an expiring contract like like Aldridge was. And so 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 Aldridge and the Spurs did um, you know officially part ways. The Spurs and and, and uh, him uh, reached a buyout according to Adrian Wojnarowski of, um, of of ESPN.com. Um, Aldridge gave back a five point million uh, uh in that buyout to, for, to the spurs and again he was owed 24 million overall in this in this current year um the spurs also completed a trade right after right after buying out aldridge where they traded uh uh for the they traded the draft rights of former second round pick caddy lalane who's not even in, in the nba anymore to the golden state warriors for marquise chris and uh, cash considerations again this is the only trade move they made on thursday uh the move what it what it what this what all this does with Aldridge giving back money and with the Spurs getting Lillane, what it does is it, it gives them more comfortability, uh, uh more room under the tax, uh because you know, uh before all these moves happened, the Spurs were only about one point, I think it was like one point four, one point six million dollars from from going over the tax. And of course you don't want to be a tax team if you're not even guaranteed to be in the playoffs. So we always saw that's the reason why they always kept that one vacant roster spot this entire season. Even with all the injuries and the COVID, they never wanted to sign anyone because they didn't want to get in that, that situation where they go over the tax uh, uh for this team. However, now that they made all these moves, they're about $5 million below the tax. And so now all of a sudden they can start signing a player with that vacant roster spot, whether they want to do 10-day contracts, like we're going to talk about in a bit, or they could even sign someone for the rest of the season. So again, now there's a little bit more more more, more um, 
more room under the tax where they, they can sign players and, and be okay up until the end of the season. Uh, some some notes on Chris. Um, you know, he is expected to miss the rest of the season uh, with a, a right a fractured right fibula. It's like a bone in, in, in the leg. Uh, uh, the Spurs do head into you know free agency with the with that forty eight to fifty million dollars in cap space, um, and then some other players we saw out in the on the in the injury rumors where we did see uh, some some reports of of, of the, the Miami Heat having interest in Rudy Gay, uh, Sham Sharania. He had tweeted um, when when the JJ Redick to the Mavs uh, trade broke. He had tweeted he had tweeted that that Trey Lyles was being traded to Dallas as part of as part of a three three team trade. But then he had he had deleted it apparently, and then he went back and said that uh you know the Mavs didn't need a third third team after all. So then you know Lyles remained with San Antonio. Uh, Mar Rosen also had his name in a bunch of rumors. Um, you know, there was there was there was, there was word that he might work with the. Uh, he was trying to get a contract extension with the Spurs, and then that didn't happen. So then we started seeing uh, word that you know that he might want to go back east in the off season. Uh, the Knicks were tied to him. His name with the Knicks, uh, the Chicago Bulls, the Orlando Magic before they started trading. You know, pretty much their whole team. Uh, and then you know, so again, so so we did see multiple Spurs players in rumors, but only um, you know only Aldridge got bought out, and only um, uh, they they traded for Marquise Chris, and again more so just uh, for, for more uh, financial reasons. And so what were your thoughts on trade deadline and, you know, everything that's gone on with this team? I, I really didn't expect anything much more than, than this. And actually, it probably got a little more than I even expected with the Chris deal. But the whole LaMarcus Aldridge thing, once that came out, I felt like getting anything back for him was going to be tough. And a lot of people are saying, well, they should have at least gotten like a, a, a draft pick. But it, it's not... It's not that simple. You have to like mm-hmm. you have to be able to swallow that contract uh, yep. if you're the other team in order to be able to give up a, a draft pick. And I think those like maybe like a handful of teams at most that were in position to do that. Not only that, but you know the, a, a team has to has to be willing to first give up uh, someone that they see some value in and. and the Spurs have to find value because then that involves like integrating them into you know the system and getting them used to not only uh, the offensive defense but also the chemistry and you know how long does that take that usually takes you know the better half of the I guess at least the first half of the season to do uh, and you know a team has to be has to look at this and say okay well there's a, a, probably a better chance that I can this player in the buyout market than having to give up anything really big in return and so to me I, that that said he's going to get bought out and he ended up giving back more than I expected so that's mm-hmm. nice to get that extra flexibility like you said <laughs> the, it was kind of funny because the whole Caddy Lane I was like uh, John Diaz <laughs> and I were like I didn't know this guy was still actually you know even they even still had the rights to him but they then this is almost like a here's your trade deal where everybody that that's asking for this person to make a trade deadline move like okay here here you go a guy that wasn't in the G League or in the NBA this season for a guy that will probably never wear a Spurs uniform uh, so that was kind of interesting and I guess I'll get to see what he was like around the players and stuff like that I think um, Colin mentioned that in his latest audio piece as far as I'll get to see you know, what he's like and how he fits the team and maybe they'll be willing to give him a chance in the offseason or, or something like that if they see enough from him. But it's a very low-risk um, move on their part and, again, opens up um, that 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 salary uh, caps a little bit more. So, I you know, a lot of the rumors, I had a hard time believing that if DeMar DeRozan was going to go to the Eastern Conference, 
it was going to be to the next Bulls or match just because obviously once you get a little older in your career, you want to compete. That seems to me what was fueling LaMarcus. DeRozan wouldn't have increased his chances, at least I don't think, by going to either of those teams. Uh, the Trail Alice thing was kind of interesting because, you know, all of a sudden I was like, okay, so what's going on? How are they making this happen? Is it going to be like a, a draft pick or something? And then it just disappeared off the face of the earth. And the really gay thing, it seems like the the Heat were willing to give up like next to nothing in exchange for him. So, again, not surprised he's, he's back. I still feel like he provides some value. I'm not sure exactly why a lot of people want him off the team. I feel like even last night he showed that he can uh, step in and knock down some shots, things like that when they need him to. So um, it's, I guess, I would say as uneventful as trade deadlines, maybe a little bit more eventful than usual. Yeah, I know. My my poll didn't hold the one that, because I had done a poll uh, the, the, the day before where I said, uh, you know, what are your, what are your expectations? The Spurs make a trade and, and people said 70% said no, they won't make a trade. And then 20, uh, 30% said they did. And so yeah. I, I was actually, I was I was at that 70%. I didn't think they were going to make a move. But of course, they didn't send an actual player that's currently on the team. They Instead, they acquired a player. Um, so so like, yeah, like, you know, Spurs Cast listeners that, that have that, that listened weekly, you know that we've been talking about the Yardridge situation for the last two weeks. And we've gone into all the complications, kind of what Mike just said there. You know, it's really tough. His, his $24 million salary, his unexpiring, his unexpiring contract, you have to, you would have to take back at least two or three players in most deals. The only team that could, the only two teams that could really take him into their their their, their cap exceptions were the, the Thunder and the Celtics. We saw the Celtics go after Fournier, Evan Fournier instead, and then the Thunder, like what Mike just said, you know. A lot of people were saying, you know, oh, try to get a second round pick. Well, in, in the case of the Thunder, they would have taken Aldridge, but guess what? They probably wanted a second round pick from from San Antonio. They're like, if you're going to dump salary, well, then we want, uh, we, we'd rather just, we, you know, they were going to ask for an asset instead. And so, why would the Spurs give up give up Aldridge instead of just buy him out and you know, and then his 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 uh, his numbers come off the books uh, for this offseason? So, you know, again, I, I didn't expect an Aldridge trade. Um, I did find the and and, and uh, um, something uh, Mac and I talked about last week. I really thought that the uh, the Spurs weren't going to move DeRozan, Rudy Gay, or or Patty Mills just because. Because those three players are integral for this season, that you know they're they're really uh, uh, big parts of this team, at least for this year. Uh, and we know that they're all unrestricted free agents in this offseason. I did find it interesting though with the DeRozan um, rumors, just because of the fact that like I remember it all start, it kind of all started when when Chris Haynes of, of Yahoo wrote that um you know the Spurs and DeRozan uh, uh, might look at a contract extension this week and trade deadline week, but if they don't come to an extension, uh, the Spurs are willing to move him. And then and then we saw Bleacher Report come in with two different uh, two two of their writers came in with these different rumors about him wanting to go to the East and all these and all these things. So I did wonder if there was a there was a little bit more there uh, since uh, since maybe DeRozan and the, and the and the Spurs couldn't get a contract extension. And I do wonder now, like I, I thought that he had there was a pretty good chance he could he could resign this this coming offseason maybe like a one or two year extension. Uh, but now, after seeing some of these rumors that came out, and then, and then what, what Haynes put out as well, I do wonder uh, if that chance uh, of him resigning has kind of has kind of um, gone away a little bit. What do you think about that and his situation? You know, I, I guess that their front office is, is wasn't quite ready to you know commit you know mm-hmm. long term to, to him just yet. I mean, I think there's a lot of unanswered questions, and they like what they have in the future. And I, I feel like. Uh, DeMar works well with the young guys. He, he seems mm-hmm. to do that, but I kind of was hope, uh, I thought we would have seen an extension, but I guess since that's not there, they'll either have to deal with him in the offseason or risk um, losing him. But, you know, I, I, I can't see it happening to, with, a, you know, one of those lesser East, especially since you and I were talking earlier, the East seems to be getting stronger and stronger and, and, 
at least one of two of those teams seem like they're not going to be moving up. And and in case of Orlando, they're probably going to be, um, you know, they're they're I I don't know what they're going to do to be honest. Yeah, they're they're rebuilding now at at this point. So Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that a player like that is going to want to be part of a rebuilding project, especially since. It's kind of part of one already uh, in San Antonio, but one that has a little bit more talent around him. So, you know, I guess we'll have to just wait and see with him and see what yeah. kind of what they see as far as their future with him and if, if he's involved at all. Yeah, so like I, I, I agree there too because like you know I, I didn't expect a, an extension this week just because you know this team is an eight seed at this point you know with DeRozan so what if they're not successful you know this season what if they don't even get into the playoffs or what if they get bounced in round one so if they even get there so like I, I don't think that they want to commit you know long term long term for, for this team uh, if they're not even you know where they're at right now with, with their situation so yeah so again we'll we'll kind of see what happens with DeRozan uh, and on all these players Rudy um, you know DeRozan Patty Mills Trey Lyles they're all they're all going to be unrestricted free agents uh, this coming off season all right Mike let's go to um, our, our next item here on the agenda um the spurs did make a signing so again this was announced on friday uh the spurs signed um cam reynolds to a 10-day contract this uh his name may be familiar uh if you've been watching the austin spurs and also the spurs at the beginning of the season because uh cam was um signed to the spurs uh in training camp and he also played in the preseason with the team with the san antonio team then they had a, you know they have to cut the roster down to to to, to, to guaranteed players and the two two-way players so, so they did waive him uh in december and so um he didn't play in the regular season with the team however then he joined the g league bubble with the Austin Spurs and in the in the bubble he um he averaged 16.1 points, 4.6 rebounds and one one and a half assists in 29 minutes. Uh the roster is now full for at least the next 10 days uh at 17 players so they can no longer add a player right now. Uh and and if they if they like what they see in Cam, well then they can try to re-sign him to another 10-day contract uh, once this one expires. But if they do two 10-day contracts which is you know 20 days from now, then they would if they want to keep him for the rest of the season they have they'd have to do a full a fully um rest of the season deal. Uh you know some reasoning why they might have done this uh, Lonnie Walker the fourth we know is, is, is has been bothered by a wrist injury he's missed the last two games and he also missed uh the, the Spurs set him out during a game I think it was against the Cavs and then also Keita Bates Jobs uh Bates job got injured uh, his hamstring he had a hamstring injury and he's kind of just been on a game-to-game basis where he's been out each each time the Spurs haven't really put out a timetable for him but anyway w- without two players to play at the three the three uh, the three and the four or, or, or in the case of job um you know the Spurs did, did need some, some depth there uh so so let's go ahead and um just get kind of your your intel um Mike and from what you saw you know you 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 cover the um Austin Spurs along in the, in the podcast should I say with the uh, forever Tortles with John Diaz and, and uh, uh Jonas Clark so what, what how, how do you you know I'm gonna ask you a few questions here how did he play in the bubble in your opinion he i think he did really well once he got a, a, a lot more opportunities i mean at first you know the the team was really about uh trey and luca and and they were the ones that were you know it seems like surprising everybody and and so you know his opportunities weren't he didn't have as many then but as soon as they were called up he kind of became the like go-to uh, it was him and Robert Ward, 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 Ward the kind of go to, and then and then I think the Kings called uh, Ward back up. So so then it was it was Cam. He was kind of like that that main guy, and so and he was able to step into that role and did really well. So you know I liked what I saw him, and he's he's a pretty versatile guy. I mean he's more of a two to three, but he also played some four um, in the bubble. So when they went to smaller lineups using like Nate Renfro as the center, um, they'd go to him and he was able to, you know, get in there and, and uh, actually step in and, and do a good job. Not only scoring, but he was able to get some, some nice rebounds, especially in their last game 
which is something I didn't see as as part of his game. Um, what do you think he's going to bring to this team? I mean, I don't think he'll 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 be able to beat out anybody in the rotation. But what do you think uh, in terms of like you know if if the team goes down by a lot of points or somebody gets gets injured or such something like that? What, what do you think his his way of playing is right now? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I think you're you're right on that. I mean, I think if anything, it gives them another body they can put out there in practice to, to push guys. I think it allows them to take an extended look at somebody who performed well. Uh, just looking at his last game uh, before they lost, he had 26 points, 14 rebounds. Uh, his three-point shooting isn't like anything. It's it's not something I would count on, but he, he can shoot from deep. But he's, uh, I think he's a lot better on the move and things like that and, and uh, trying to get into the paints so or trying to score uh, mid-range. Uh, but... Again, he's just another another player that can play several positions uh, that will, will give them, I, I, I think, just some, someone they can look at for the future. I mean, he, he's obviously enough of a talent, that he, and he did enough in that short time span that they decided to give him uh, another look. And there were a few other players, but he's the one that really kind of, kind of stood out to me. I think the other guy could have been Nate Renfro because I just like his game, even though his numbers don't pop, but... I think uh, with, with Cam, they knew enough of him going back to training camp because he was a training camp. And so, mm-hmm. again, it's just a chance to give him an extended look and possibly gets to get in there if there's a lot of situations, things like that, especially with some banged up bodies right now. Yeah, and I really feel because of this, you know, this grueling second half schedule, I really feel that you know there is a good chance he can end up getting a, a second ten day, and then maybe even getting a roster spot for the rest of the season. And the reason why is just because, you know, I, I really feel like Pop's going to really, really watch the minutes going forward now. Uh, you know, in these last, you know, these last games up, up until the playoff stretch, and 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 the reason for that is just because, uh, you know, we've seen where the Spurs, you know, since the All Star break, uh, since they came back from All Star break, they've had some pretty good, they've had some good wins early on, uh, where they won about, you know, they were up like thirty plus points at times, uh, and then of course, you know, we've seen them starting to get blown out here and there in some of these other games. And so I really feel like Pop, as soon as Pop kind of knows where, where a game's heading, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, I think that he, he wants to have those players available, like how he's been playing Trey Jones, uh, Lucas uh, Smonich, uh, Kato Bishop before he got injured. And so he just wants to have more bodies available, like you mentioned, uh, in the event that, you know, he wants to just really, the, the core rotation players, he wants to limit their, their, their legs as much as possible if they don't have to be out there on the floor. And, and so I think that's why, uh, whether it's Cam getting a second 10-day or or, um, or them signing someone after his 10-day expires, I really think that they will finish the season at some point with the 15th player i don't think that they'll leave that spot vacant and again financially it's okay now for them to sign a player because you know they have that that that, that room under 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 the tax uh, with aldridge giving back so much money on his buyout so um yeah so so the, so the spurs will uh, have signed cam reynolds to a 10 day all right mike let's uh let's go ahead and uh, uh, cl- close up this episode let's talk about the offense because you know that's been the big issue right now i actually pulled up a, the quote from coach pop last night uh, in, in the, on the, on the, uh, the loss against the Clippers on Thursday. He, he said this on the offense. Uh, he said, we're not shooting well, obviously, and we started to turn it over a little bit. We're not getting threes, and in this league, you've got to get them. So this, this kind of goes back to what you just said, Mike, that the Spurs, you know, if you don't get the three, you're, you're going to be behind uh, just mathematically. That's as simple as it is. And I'm just going to pull this up real quick. The, the, I want to see how much they're, uh, they're getting outscored from three real quick. Let me see here. Yeah, because this is one of our, our Project Spurs uh, data trackers here. Okay, so the math game. Here we go. The Spurs are winning two, so this is mid-range and paint. They're winning that by 148 points. They are winning the free throw line by 74 points. 
but it's the three-point line. They're down by 273 total points on the three-point line. So what does that mean for the season overall? They are a minus 51. So again, like you mentioned there, Mike, you know that, that not only is it the fact that they don't they're not they don't shoot threes well, it's the fact that also that the opponents are just you know uh, taking and making so many more threes than them that it's kind of just drowning out everything else that they're doing. Uh, the Spurs that are doing well on twos and, and at the free throw line. Uh, so so let's kind of dig into some of these latest numbers on on how this team is playing on offense and kind of what I'm seeing. One thing I've noticed just visually is I really noticed this in the Bucks game. Um, and it might be just because of the way the Bucks play defense, but it, if you just watch and just push push pause at times uh, when you when you watch the Spurs on offense, it looked like if as if almost like if all five Milwaukee players defenders were just kind of protecting the paint, and you could just see them even up top like near the free throw line area, they're just protecting the paint. And I remember it was so obvious because there was like two plays where like Kelton was trying to get inside and he just couldn't. There was two Bucks defenders there, and so then what? How are they able to do that? Well, that means that they're backing off the three point line. They're leaving players wide open. Well, then the next game um, after that Bucks loss, uh, Coach uh, James Borrego, the, the Charlotte Hornets coach, he says that you know. The Spurs did beat the Hornets earlier this season. He says one of the issues was their drives. They really just he, he said they really just beat them in the paint. They really got in there and gave them a hard time there. Uh, Kelton had a good game that night. I think it was DeRozan or Murray had a, had a good game as well. So then, if you if you watch that Charlotte game, the, the Hornets did a very similar thing where they just had five defenders kind of near the paint, uh, pretty much the majority of the game. And so what are they doing? They're able to leave uh, Spurs three point shooters open because they don't they don't trust them to to to, to, to hurt them from three uh, uh, by being wide open. So it, it kind of shows this in some of the numbers. You know, right now the Spurs are. are Overall for the season, they're 36% shooting from three, 18th um, since the All-Star break, 35%, so it's gone down. Uh, they're only taking 29 and a half threes a game, which is 27th for the season. It's gone down by three threes since the All-Star break. Part of that, though, is like we mentioned, Lonnie Walker's been out. Uh, Rudy Gay had to set out a game. Patty Mills had to set out a game. These are these are some of their best three-point shooters, the, the Spurs. Um, I, I hadn't looked into the wide-open threes, but they're actually struggling there. Um, 46% of the Spurs' threes are wide open, uh, and so, again, they're, they're struggling there. Um, they're only making 36.7% of those wide-open threes, so 27 uh, on wide-open threes. And, and so, you know, on wide-open threes, you want to be at least over 40% and that's just not what the Spurs are and then we see a little bit more you know I, I know it, uh, some people say it's isolation play but I really feel that's all they can do at this point because the way defenses are playing them you see more like isos from like DeJounte and um and and, and DeMar DeRozan and you, you notice this in the assist percentage and the assists they're, they're, they've gone down a lot since the all-star break uh, the Spurs are, are are only assisting on 59 percent of their their, their their made shots which is 19th that's gone down by five percent since the all-star break so they're like 27th on, on that area so before we go into individual shooting from outside what if you what have, what have you uh, what are some of your thoughts on what I've what, what I've kind of observed in some of these stats I've thrown at you? Yeah, I mean it's kind of hard to mention about you know how they've gone to ISO a lot because it seemed like in one game they went back to what they're known for in passing the ball. I think that was the Cleveland game mm-hmm. where there was actually some really good ball movement, and obviously that the, the talent level on that team has less to do with why they beat them, but they were able to. Um, it seems like they moved the ball, they got people involved. But otherwise, yeah, you're seeing a lot more of it. it even just depends on who's out there. If it's Rudy out there, then you'll see some ISO there. I mean, Demar is almost always an ISO play. I mean, Dejounte's starting to do that more and more, but he's starting to find some success. So they just have not been able to find a consistency from you know beyond uh, there. It just seems like the the, the craziest thing is on the wide open threes. You know, for them to be at that percentage is kind of uh I guess worrisome just because those are the, mm-hmm. the shots you think they they knock out and knock down. I mean, do you see that all over the league? I mean you saw that against Clippers, against everybody else, anytime there seemed like there was a wide open three, 
those teams weren't knocking those them down. They were able to open up leads like that against the Spurs, and so they're not able to take advantage uh, the way the other teams have so far. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, they they just seem to they need to be able to find uh, an answer there and find maybe uh, you know change some minutes and things like that in order to try to. If I think if they become predictable, whether it's 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 too much ISO. Mm-hmm. Or it's all funneled inside, then they're just going to become way too personal and def- defensively. Teams are going to do like you said, like they're doing now, and just like they're just, you know, staying on the inside and and leaving them open and kind of daring them to shoot that. Yeah. So what that does is like you know when they, when they do that, they take away three of the Spurs's um you know best drivers. They take away DeRozan's path to the lane. They take away Dejounte's and Kelton. And so um you know let's, let's talk now a little bit about the actual individual players and how and how they're actually shooting the three ball. So we know that there's 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 um there's there's five players on the team, and we're only going to talk about rotation players. So we're not talking about like Kata Bates' job or Trey Jones or Lucas Simonich. Only the guys who who normally get the ten man rotation that Pop runs out uh, with each game. So um you know the players who take at least forty percent of their shots from three uh you know come from three. These are their high volume shooters. These these are Patty Mills, uh, Derek White, Devin Vassell, Lonnie Walker, and Rudy Gay. Um, they, now, the other players that don't get any of their, you know, they get less than 40% of their shots are, um, you know, their two bigs, Jakob Pertl, who doesn't take any threes. Drew Eubanks has taken one all season only because he had to. It was late in the shot clock. And then, of course, um, three of their starters, DeJounte Murray, uh, DeMar DeRozan, and Kelton Johnson. So these three players, they will take a three, but only if they really, really have to. Um, and so what we notice here is that four of the five starters are those players who don't even, who don't shoot a high volume of threes. Then, uh, when you actually look into the wide open threes of these of the individual players, uh, players who are shooting below forty percent from wide open three, uh, Derek White, who is who is the one starter who actually takes threes, he's struggling right now in wide open threes. Kelden uh, Johnson, uh, Demar, Demar Derozan, Dejounte Murray, and Devin Vassell. But Vassell, um, you know, he he doesn't take a lot. He doesn't get a lot of wide open threes. Defenses, um, you know, don't yeah. let him take those kind of threes. Um, so really, um, it, it, really, the only two there's only three players pretty much as we can say in the rotation that are really making the defense pay when you leave them wide open from three, and that's Patty Mills, um, Rudy Gay, and Lonnie. Wall. Walker. Uh, so, so I guess, so what are your thoughts on some of these individual numbers and, and how much longer do you think they, they can keep going with, with this, with this rotation, the way coach pop has it before they might have to swap in. So I know that they want to be the best defensive team, but they might have to swap in some shooting instead at certain positions. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, it all, it always hurts when you have like Patty and Lonnie out at the, at the same time, uh, like they were a few games ago, because obviously that's, you know, that the players make a bulk of their three point shots. Uh, Lonnie seems to have been able to, uh, I guess to extend his range a little bit more, where he's become a lot more consistent there. Patty obviously doesn't need much space at all, and he launches those pretty much all game. So I'm, I'm not surprised at that. But you know, one thing I, I would like to see if we're talking about like uh, rotations and things like that, and obviously it's a hard time to change anything. But mm-hmm. one player who has kind of when, when he plays like over 15 minutes. Uh, Lucas Monich, it seems like he can knock down those days, or he brings value in other ways, like defensively, he seems to have improved, or he can mm-hmm. um, pass the ball, and it seems like almost like one of those things where it seems like once he gets the minutes, I think he'll be able to show, well, I think the first game against the Clippers, uh, he had 14 points, and like he didn't, I think he, he missed his only three-point shot, but he he brings that, that threat, but then the next game played under three minutes, so it's just kind of like that's just, just so much fluctuation there that uh, I'd like to see what happens if they're able to get him some more like regular minutes in the rotation. 
Yeah, and that's interesting because you're right. He actually did play very well in that first Clippers game, and a lot of his shots did come, from, you know, attacking the paint. He did. He took some very effective shots. I mean, efficient shots, should I say? But a big part of that too was that Rudy Gay was out. So then we saw, you know, when Rudy comes back, like you mentioned, he only plays three minutes. So, so that's the tough thing is Pop has to determine if, if he wants to give Luca those minutes, he's gonna have to take minutes away from someone. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, again, you know, maybe it's also that the teams they've been playing, they've been playing some of the better defensive teams, you know, the Clippers, the Bucks, uh, so just some of the better teams in the league. Uh, you know, like but we mentioned earlier that that Hornets game was not a good good look for them to, to lose that game. Uh, so I do wonder how long you know Coach Pop will continue to go. And maybe maybe they'll get it together against the Bulls or, or, or some of these games upcoming. Uh, they'll finally you know get the three ball to fall and maybe find something on offense, maybe a different way. I, I really feel that like you know it's tough because you know they don't get to practice because of this grueling schedule. So maybe there's not a way to even work on things. And I, I think it was Demar Derozan who mentioned that that because of the limited practice, it's it's kind of tough to correct your mistakes. It was either Demar or Dejounte. One, one of the two players said that. So yeah, I mean that, that's kind of. And if not, I mean, if this continues to go on for a few more games where, where they're playing good defense, but they just can't get a win because they're, um, you know, they're, they just can't score on offense and teams are just backing off, uh, you know, the majority of the players. Well, then I think that we may see a, a, a change in the starting lineup because there's just too much. There's too many players. Uh, really, when we look at the starting lineup, all five players, even though Derek takes these because he's struggling from three right now, uh, it's, it's almost like nobody on, on the starting lineup right now can shoot three. So, so that's kind of what it looks like. So, so again, we'll kind of see what happens. Like we mentioned, you know, the Spurs are, are kind of in a rut right now. I also do wonder, too, if a lot of it has to do with just the, the schedule's kind of getting there to them where they're just it looks like you know some of the younger players their hustle stats just aren't showing up anymore and i wonder if their legs are kind of getting tired with just so many games and, and a lot of them really haven't you know missed games so so that's also something to wonder too if, if fatigue's getting but we know that you know the, the whole league is just having a tough time with this uh type of schedule all right thanks my, uh, mike for joining me here on the spurs cast uh, before we wrap up let's go ahead and uh don't, don't forget to visit project spurs should i say spurs cast listeners um steven anderson continues to keep um to keep everyone uh, updated on the Spurs with his, his analysis after each game. Uh, Benjamin Bornstein's getting ready for the draft. And, you know, this is getting interesting, Mike, just because, of, you know, if the Spurs continue to fall, well, then all of a sudden that, that draft pick could be, end up becoming a lottery pick uh, if, they, if they don't, get the, if they don't fi- figure out their season, what they're going to do here. Uh, so Ben continues to keep you updated. Um, his latest prospect watch is over Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And then Mike mentioned this earlier. Uh, Colin Reed's latest piece is, uh, is a PS Audio Extra. It's the 2021 Spurs trade, de- trade deadline review. Um, thanks again to Mike uh, for joining me here on the Spurs cast uh, and also for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.